All right. Welcome ladies back to the Fit to be a Mama podcast. I am very excited to dive into this conversation. I have Amanda Kingsley here with me. Um, and we're going to dive into a territory that I have definitely never dove into, um, but I'm excited. So Amanda, welcome. Um, I'm going to have you do a quick little intro, but before we do that, would you share with us just what your morning routine looks like? Oh, I love that. Um, okay. So I feel like I've always my whole life. So I'm in my early forties now heard that like the mornings are so amazing and you have to have this routine and that's when you best start your day. And I've tried so many times to create like a rhythm and a system. Um, and it's just not my gig. I'm not a morning person. Coffee is my morning routine. Sometimes I journal. Sometimes I listen to a podcast. Sometimes I like scroll Facebook or Instagram. Um, so I feel like I'm more of like a daily, weekly routine kind of person than a morning routine kind of person other than coffee, which is non-negotiable. <laughs> I This is actually so refreshing to hear because a lot of the times uh, women will come on and they've got this like perfect early morning routine that's like very serene and right. spiritual. So it's actually refreshing just to hear like, yeah, it's not really my thing. I just like the coffee and the scroll. <laughs> I am the kind of person who like, I have a planner and I answer questions from my future self and I mm -hmm. self coach and I journal and I write I am statements and I pull angel cards like, I do all the things. I just don't stress about whether they happen in the morning or like, it just, just doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> when I figured that out, like when I gave myself permission to not fit into the morning routine, I, it was like such a viscerally freeing moment to be mm. like, oh, you're not one of those people that yes. <laughs> loves a morning routine. <laughs> That's really helpful, I think, for people to hear. And even for myself, I've had a morning routine for years. Mm. Um, but what I what I started to discover, especially with COVID, and um, you know, my four kids were at home, and I was all of a sudden homeschooling four children, right. and my whole entire day just like flipped upside down. And what I realized is is that that morning time. Um, actually became my work time because I realized how laser focused and productive mm. I could be at 5am. Whereas I was trying to force myself to do like meditation early. Oh, I love that. Reading and journaling. Yeah. It wasn't what I was wired to do. I like wanted to hustle. So good. And like <laughs> get my to-do list done by, by 630 in the morning. And so now I've, I've kind of now that the kids are back in school, I've sort of incorporated a little bit of both of those things, but I, I gave myself permission just to be like, this doesn't have to be perfect. Like nobody is yeah. like giving me a grade and scoring me on my morning routine, like do what works. Right. I love that. I remember when my third child was a baby, I went to like a sleep workshop mm -hmm. and I remember asking the sleep expert thinking she was going to tell me like, um, everyone needs X hours of sleep and they're more aware, alert and whatever in the mornings. And I was like, I just love nights. Like I would much rather like 
do the things at night than in the morning. She was like, oh yeah, that's just your, that's just who you are. Like some people are night owls. And I was like, oh, she just gave me permission to be a night owl. Like that's my gig. I get all my brilliant ideas at night. I like, that's just, just my way. That's so, so great. Yeah. I'm sure you have um, listeners like that too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes because I was so stuck in my ways that when, you know, my clients would kind of say that to me, what I wanted to be was like, no, you have to do it in the morning. That's what right. successful people do, but it's, it's really, really not. It's just, yeah. Give yourself permission to do what works. So that yeah. is so great. Um, okay. Amanda, who are you like in a nutshell? Um, who are you and what do you do? All right. Who am I? Um, I always wonder like the best way to answer this, like, am I a Pisces? Am I a mother? Am I a life coach? <laughs> am I creative? Am I intuitive? Um, so I am all those things. I am a mother of three. I have two teenagers and a seven-year-old son. Um, I am married to my high school sweetheart. I live in Western Massachusetts. We live in the cutest little village ever. Um, I'm just an ordinary person who talks about not so ordinary things every day, all day in my work. Mm. So uh, I was a, I was in the women's health world as a doula. I don't know if you've interviewed any doulas. No. Um, I supported women in their pregnancies and their births and afterwards. I've, oh, I went to midwifery school. I've always been drawn to pregnancy, birth, and babies. Um, then I landed in network marketing for a little while in traditional Chinese medicine. It was amazing. And eventually I realized that what I loved most in all the things was life coaching and just helping people understand what was happening in their minds, what was what were the effects of their thoughts? Um, how were their feelings affecting the results they were getting in their lives? And how could I help them get what they wanted in life? And so when I went to life coach school, I was I certified two years after I had an abortion. I had an abortion after three kids. It was my only unplanned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was always pro-choice, but that was sort of by like definition. I didn't really think about it much because I thought, oh, that'll never be me. If I have an unplanned pregnancy, I'll have the baby, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I supported other women for their decisions, but just assumed I would never have to face it, right? Why do we do that as human beings? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I had an IUD in place and it fell out and I didn't know it fell out. And so I was in my late thirties, I had three kids. I didn't want any more kids. I didn't want any more diapers or breastfeeding or being up all night. Like I just, I was on such a path of creating a life for myself and I had an abortion and that led me down a path, a journey to go like, wait a second, who is serving these women? Cause I have all this experience in women's health and nowhere to go. Like who's talking about abortion? Who's talking about what it's like to choose abortion as a mom and to not regret it, but have a lot of feelings afterwards and all the things. So it was a journey and it led me into um, really niching down in life coaching to serve people after abortion. And um, statistics show that like American women, one in three 
have an abortion in their lifetime. So that's your audience. I don't know how big your audience is, but it doesn't matter if they're religious or non-religious or um, if they're already moms or not already moms. Most people who have abortions are already moms. Um, but in general, statistics range between one in three and one in four women. So it's like statistically impossible that you don't know many, many women who have had abortions and they're just not talking about it. Right. So yeah. that was that was actually really long. Sorry about that. No. Oh my <laughs> god. That's my story. I'm glad we're just diving right in. Um yeah, my mind is like kind of blown right now because I mean, first the statistic, and I'm sure there are people, women around me who have had experience with abortion, but like yeah. you said, I don't actually know anyone because yeah. that isn't some something that is talked about and isn't openly shared a super secret thing as soon as you do start talking about it everyone tells you oh i had one i haven't told anyone i have one only my partner knows um and i'm talking like all ages like Mm -hmm. women who were in their 60s 70s told me like i never told anyone thank you for doing this work um so you do know people Mm -hmm. Um, We just live in a culture that doesn't open the door for talking about it. Uh, And that's what I felt after my own experience. Like I just remember sitting in the parking lot crying, like I don't wanna be pregnant. Um, And I remember Googling like, do moms have abortions? And I literally like all my friends were nurses and OBs and midwives. And I hadn't really thought about abortion in this way. And I I think it's something like 65% of um, abortions are by moms, you know, or women who have already mothers. And I just remember thinking like, how am I not, how do I not know this until now? Like until I'm in it. Um, It's, it's really wild how stigmatized it is. People are so afraid to talk about it. And I am very naive to it because like our conversation before we started recording, my impression of abortion was, um, you know, a teenager getting pregnant or like a rape type situation. Um, And it never, it never really occurred to me that this is actually something that women experience after they've already created their family and then they're faced with this. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a wild thing. I was like the 10 year old who always had a baby on my hip. I couldn't wait to be a mom. I like begged my husband to marry me and have children. Like I am, I am mom. Like I am really very identified as a mother. Um, so it was a pretty wild experience to like know so clearly that this child was not supposed to come into our family and that I had to be the one to say no sorry sweet little thing but can you um can you take us back to that experience um you know obviously finding out was it an easy decision to become like not easy as in yeah you knew right from the moment that you found out yeah I mean would be well I tell a pretty interesting story that was kind of pivotal and I'm really glad it happened this way but um my husband and I both realized 
so again, like high school sweethearts, we've been together like, I don't know, 20 something years, 24 years or something. Like, um, we both realized that I hadn't had a period in a long time. And I took a pregnancy test and it was negative. And we had kind of looked at each other like, okay, well, if you're pregnant, like we don't want a baby, like we're going to have to choose abortion. Um, that was sort of our plan before we took the test and we took the test and it was negative. And both of us confessed to each other that we weren't sure we'd be able to follow through. Like, mm. I know we said we would choose abortion, but I don't know if I can follow through. Like, I don't know if we can do it. Um, so we were both like in that whole, like, really shock and very much a middle place like it was we knew we didn't want a baby but we also weren't sure we could we could follow through on not having a baby so then of course you know four tests later um we really had to make the decision but i'm glad that we had that moment before where we were able to both go like, this is hard for both of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not easy for either of us. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, I say it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was also the most loving thing I've ever done. You know, I made that choice for myself. Like I said, I didn't want to go back into the baby cave. Um, I, I often hesitate to share this part of the story, but I spent three months on bed rest with my son before he was born. So some people are like, oh, of course you wouldn't want to be pregnant again. Like you wouldn't want to go through that. I'm like, no, that wasn't like, it was a factor, but it's not the reason. Like I didn't make the choice because I was afraid of another pregnancy. Um, it really was a lifestyle choice. Like we just knew it wouldn't be good for our marriage, which our marriage was good. It's just you have kids like mm -hmm. it's hard in those early years so um it was really a lifestyle choice i didn't want my kids to go into the baby cave with us right mm -hmm. like these three kids i didn't want them to be in that stage of life again like have another baby in the house um our marriage my career like it was not an easy decision to make but i I will say I kind of knew all along that I needed to make it. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I needed to make it. <laughs> so was there support out there for you to come to that decision? Or was it just something that you and your husband came to? You make the appointment? You yeah. You go through the procedure? Um, well, I texted my OB because, like I said, all my friends were like, in women's health. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like Saturday morning texted my OB like you're not going to believe what's happening. She was like, I'm leaving for a vacation, but oh my God, how can I help you? Um, so I had support in that sense, which was amazing. You know, I remember deciding I needed to choose abortion and not literally not knowing like, am I going to have to go to a clinic where there's going to be protesters with pictures of dead babies like I had no idea I was so clueless like with all my experience I literally like didn't even understand how I was going to get an abortion mm -hmm. fortunately my um OBGYN it was a service that I could get through them so it was really mm -hmm. easy for me so I had support in that way 
I had support from my husband. Um, but I didn't really tell a lot of people before. Like I wanted to just decide, know that the decision was for me and then just, and then handle like whatever came up after. I'm not the kind of person who's ever a hundred percent on anything. So I knew there was a risk. Like I knew there was a risk. I would regret this for the rest of my life. And so I chose ahead of time to have my own back. Mm -hmm. I chose ahead of time, no matter how you feel after you're going to have your own back. Like you're not going to turn on yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. You're doing what you think is right. And whatever the consequences, like we'll figure it out. (laughs) And Um, what, what were the, the responses afterwards when, you know, the, your coworkers and the nurses, the doctors, sort of everybody who you yeah, I couldn't believe how supportive people were. Really? Like so much support, so many people confiding um, their own stories. Um, I don't remember how long after it, I had the abortion that I decided to share it on Facebook. Mm. Um, but I remember, I remember looking at like how many friends I had and then watching right because I'm like I'm about to lose like half my friends right so see stories we tell ourselves and I didn't like not a single person unfriended me I had a few like weird encounters afterwards where I was like is that person judging me Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but really it was so much love and so much support um and when something like that, like for someone like me to go through something like that, um, I would much rather be open and honest about it and know who my supportive people are than who aren't right. Like I had a miscarriage between my two girls. Um, I'm very much the mom who was like, I'm one day pregnant, everybody. (laughs) Because if I had a miscarriage, like I wanted to know who my people were. Like I didn't want to have to pretend I wasn't going through this really sad thing. So abortion was kind of the same way. Like I wanted to be upfront from the get-go, like that it was hard for me, but that I knew I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So afterwards, because, you know, obviously you got to this point in your life where you uh, you wanted to be able to support other women who have gone through this or are going to go through it did you just feel like you were alone afterwards oh my Um, god so what was that experience like yeah the hardest part was like even though I had people who loved me I still felt so alone like you know, there, there was no amount of support my husband could give me that would make me feel validated. Like that was my own work. Like I had to love myself. Yeah. Um, I couldn't, there was no amount of friends who could like love and support me. Like I had to focus on loving and supporting myself. But I remember like by far the hardest moment was um, a friend of mine had said to me, uh, when you get sad, where do you feel it? in your body. And I was like, I don't know, like my throat, my heart, like, I don't know. (laughs) And the next time I had this like wave of deep sadness, which for me just felt like I'd be going along. And then all of a sudden, like the floor disappeared out from under me. And I was just a mess, like a blubbering fetal ball mess. 
And so she had asked me the question. So I said to myself, okay, where do you feel it? Where do I feel sad? And it was like such a um, intense feeling where I felt like I had no arms. Like they literally just like were disappeared. It's like, what? This is so weird. And then I had this like really exciting aha moment because I knew of an organization called Empty Arms, which is a beautiful organization. They support women through fertility and stillbirth and totally amazing work. And so I'd always supported this, their work and I still do, but it was a moment where I, I remember like I went from like blubbering, crying mess to so excited. And I got out my laptop and I went to the website. I was like, they're going to help me. They're going to help me feel better. Mm. And very quickly, it was apparent that they did not support this kind of abortion. They only offered services to people who had like later term medical abortions. Um, And I was so upset because I was like, this is the feeling I have empty arms. Like I belong there. Like Mm -hmm. I belong with you. And I didn't like that. They were like, sorry, we, we, we don't do that. And it was so hard. And that was probably a pivotal moment where I was like, someone needs to do this work. Like someone needs to support women like me who feel like this and none of my friends like had and I say friends I mean like the nurses and the midwives and the OBs and also just you know everyday friends um no one knew where to send me or what to do Mm -hmm. abortion is so much like can we get access how do we get access support a woman's right to choose and then nothing Mm -hmm. like just go back to your life. Like, (laughs) I was like, what life? Who am I? What just happened? Why do I feel all these feelings? And what do I do with them? Did you expect that? Because you, you know, you were clear on your decision. Um, Did you expect to have this like sadness and emptiness and grieving process? Like, was that completely unexpected? Like, did you assume you would just yeah, you know, recover and, and go about your merry way? Or what was your, what did you think it was going to be like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I kind of knew it would be hard because it was hard. It was hard to make the decision just because you know it's right doesn't mean it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of knew it would be hard, but I didn't know how I would handle that hard. Um, other than I had made a commitment to myself to have my own back. So I wouldn't say it came as a surprise, but like all the whys of it became clearer and more surprising. Like I had a lot of shame, but it wasn't shame because I made the decision. It was shame that I got pregnant in the first place. I'm like, Mm. I'm a mom. I should have known better. I've, you know, been having safe safe sex for 20 years. I should have known better. Um, I should have checked to make sure the IUD was there. Like I I had a lot of like, I should have known I was pregnant. Um, Like just weird shame about, you know, just women and shame, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're, Mm -hmm. we tell ourselves that we're supposed to like, know it all, do it all, be it all. And it's just impossible. (laughs) So that kind of stuff surprised me. I was like, why am I feeling shame? Like I support this choice. 
I know it was the right one for my family. So I had to like kind of dig in like some of the sadness was loss of identity, like being someone who knew her body, being someone who never had an abortion, being someone who, so there was like, I just had to investigate and understand all the feelings. Um, so I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I was like def definitely taken aback by like where some of it was coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So once you, you know, put it out, out there and got to the point where you began working with other women or offering, did you, did you find that it was like, people were just like needing this so much and it was a very easy transition for you? Or was there still like quite a bit of healing that you needed to do before you could help? I think <clears throat> I was fully healed by the time it was, it was two plus years mm. by the time I really started talking about it. And I felt fully healed. I, I mean, I guess you're never fully healed. There's always little bits of like stuff that comes back up. Um, but it wasn't necessarily about me having to work through my own stuff to be able to serve people and do the business. It was more like, what is my role in the conversation? There's this pro-choice narrative that says abortion is healthcare, just like choose it and move on with your life. And then there's this pro-life narrative that's like abortion is murder. Don't ever do it. You're a terrible person if you do and you need to be forgiven for your sins. And I was like, I definitely don't fit in either of those camps. So the journey for me has been like, what is my voice? What is my role? Who am I helping? Because again, like one in three to four women have an abortion. So we're talking about a lot of people. Like mm -hmm. I don't help all of those people. So mm -hmm. who do I help? Like who can I most serve? And so that was really the journey. It wasn't about my own healing. It was more about my own voice. Like, what is the mark I'm making in the world? Mm. Like, how, how do I find my authentic voice in this conversation? Because the pro-life people definitely aren't going to like it. And the pro-choice people aren't really going to like it either. <laughs> mm. Because when I say I'm sad, the pro-life people use that as an argument against access to care, mm. right? Like, see, people are sad after abortion. It shouldn't exist. And so it's a really weird place to step out and go like, it's okay to feel sad. And that's not really a conversation that many people are having. So how come you feel like you don't fit in the pro-choice? Like, where? Because it's so centered in the narrative of like, abortion is healthcare. And okay. we just like, it's a procedure. We, yeah. It's a you procedure. You, you have it done and then you move on with your life. Okay. Um, and so there's not a lot of room there. Like I consider myself pro choice slash pro abortion, however you want to term it. Um, but in, in the like, storyline of the pro-choice movement, they don't talk a lot about what's happening after, right? The, mm -hmm. the story is the number one feeling when like people feel after abortion is relief. And that is mm -hmm. true, but 
like in my case, if there's 10 feelings I felt after abortion, yeah, number one was relief. Like, thank goodness I don't have to raise another baby. But number two, three, and four were like sadness, shame, <laughs> and like, um, I don't know, like, I can't even remember at this point. But the idea is, yes, the number one feeling is relief, but that's like, who cares? Let's talk about all the feelings. Yeah. So, yeah, I just didn't really feel like I fit in to any of the conversations. Mm -hmm. So who do you help then? Who, who, who are the women that you help? Yeah, I help anyone who has had an abortion and is finding themselves with, I mean, like unprocessed feelings, right? Just like unprocessed, unanswered questions. Um, anyone who wants to use abortion as an opportunity to grow, right? Like this is a door I can walk through to learn how to love myself, to learn how to be in better relationships, to learn to go after my dreams. Um, this is like, abortion can be, I consider my abortion a gift, right? So people who had the experience and they wanna make it mean something, right? But to make it mean something, to make it be an empowering part of their story, they probably have to walk through some feelings that are unresolved, like mm -hmm. guilt, shame, regret, sadness, mm -hmm. um, all of those things, right? Like they, yeah. they don't want to feel like they have to hide, but they maybe also don't want to like shout their story from the rooftops like me, right? Right. Yeah. Um, do you find, like, have you ever had women come to you before yeah. They've actually had the abortion and yeah. you see them through that whole process. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not like who I speak to all the time, but definitely people come to me. A lot of people message me and say, I'm about to have a procedure and your podcast, your content, your Instagram is like saving me. Thank you. Mm. So definitely people are finding me before, um, I tend to speak to people as if it's the after, but um, for sure, I'm helping people through it all. Um, there are abortion doulas who can walk, like literally go with you. And although we're in a pandemic, so it's pretty tricky, but like yeah. who can literally go with you through all the appointments. Um, I've done that too, but mostly, um, mostly my support is like, how do you come through this as a stronger person, not a weaker one, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I hesitate to use those words, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You give, you give women a lot of hope. I'm assuming when you, um, when you start working with them and just sort of empower them, if, if there was someone listening right now who has either like recently had an abortion or even in their past, and they're still, holding on to that and still really, um, it's affecting them. Yeah. What would you say to them right now? Well, I hope the message so far is like, you're not alone just mm -hmm. because you don't, just because you think you're alone doesn't mean you are alone, right? Like 
find someone you can trust to have these conversations with. Some people come to me and they're literally just looking for a safe space. Like therapy is amazing. Um, but a link in therapy that doesn't exist is the transparency of like, I've been there, I've been through it. I know the feelings, like my situation is different than yours, but like you're safe with me. I also had an abortion mm -hmm. and you're not going to find that with most therapists. So a lot of women come to me and say, I'm in therapy, but I I'm afraid to tell my therapist. And I'm like, mm. oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. So find someone who feels safe for you and start speaking the words and then notice what comes up. Like when I tell my story, I feel like I'm a bad person. When I tell my story, I feel like I'm a bad mom. And if you don't, if you can't find someone who feels safe, like use a journal, start writing your thoughts um, and notice what you're making it mean. What are you making it mean about yourself, about your relationships, about your future? Um, because that's really the work. Um, I say to everyone, like abortion for me is just a door. Like we could use a car accident. We could use cancer. We could use, you know, the, anything, infertility as a door to see like where we need to grow and where we want to go. Um, so abortion just happens to be the place that I help people learn to thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really all. Is there, um, is there anything else that you just really want to like share or a message you want to give today that, you know, we just didn't get the chance to cover? Is there anything like inside of you that's just like wanting to just like burst out and say? I know that's my last question on my podcast always too. Oh, and is it? It's so funny. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want to say all the things. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think my biggest message that I always share as a last takeaway is keep looking. Like if you have, if you're having any unresolved feelings about your abortion, if it keeps coming back to you, um, if you keep wondering about it or thinking about it, or it's like affecting your well-being, mm -hmm. keep looking. Like it might not be life coaching that helps you. It might not be me. It might be, um, it might be like tapping or like acupuncture or, <laughs> right? There's so many people who can help and mm -hmm. don't give up on yourself in terms of finding your relief. Like, you deserve that freedom in your life simply because you're human. Like, I don't care who you are or what brought you to this abortion. Like you're human and you deserve like love and compassion and a life that you feel good about. So keep looking, like find the thing that brings you the peace and the freedom and the like breathing room that you deserve to like show up and be your best self in the world. I love that. So where can people find you if they are wanting to connect with you? Yeah. Um, see what you have to offer. Where can they find you? My podcast is all about this and it's called speaking light into abortion. That's mm -hmm. where most people find me and sort of get a feel for my vibe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I use Instagram mostly. So Amanda star Kingsley S T A R. And um, my website is Amanda Starr Kingsley as well. It is actually my middle name. 
my hippie parents. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I am going to put all of that in the show notes for the listeners. Um, but thank you, Amanda. Thank you yeah, for thank you. Being just being brave to, to share your story, but also to continue sharing it and putting your message out there and, and giving hope to other women. Um, it's, yeah, it's really, really. Yeah. Good. I mean, I feel like what I do is what I do and um, I'm just, I'm not going to stop doing it, but I want to thank you because I think it's really brave when people who aren't in this work step out and say, you know what, we're going to talk about abortion on the podcast. So mm-hmm. that is an amazing thing. And the more people who are willing to do that, even though like, you're like, I don't really know what this is going to look like, but it's, it's an experience that women have. And so I want to open the door for that. Like that's what breaks down the stigma. So what you're doing, what I'm doing is important, but what you're doing is like just as important to just open the door for people. So thank you for that. Thank you. And, you know, for the listeners, if this really spoke to you and, um, you know, you're just grateful to finally hear women opening up and talking about this, then send us both a DM, like, let us know that Mm -hmm. you appreciate these conversations because then, then we keep putting them out there. Right. So feedback is always such a gift. It's so true. I'll be having one of those days where I'm like, what, why am I doing, what am I doing? I should just go work at a coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I'll get a DM and I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That is like, I will never stop because it's so easy to think no one's listening. Yeah. And, you know, getting those, getting that little bit of feedback, you might think it doesn't make a difference to us, but it really, really does. It It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will suggest to you and any listeners who are also in this world of like service, Um, my coach recommended I start a file of fabulous. Mm. So I actually screenshot those DMS for myself, like just the message part of it, not the person's name or anything. And I put it in a file. So I have a file of all those messages and thank yous because they remind me like to keep going. Yeah. That's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah. love that. It's a a game changer. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Amanda. Bye.